Welcome to episode 32 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by an anonymous donor. All right. Thank you. They use the donation basket button on our website. Thank you for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today, we are excited to join our sister podcast, Recovered, in a joint roundtable about sponsorship. Before we begin, we'd like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to sponsorship, and the opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. Imported from Detroit, we are Recovered. Welcome to Recovered and welcome to episode number 426. And we call it Recovered because this is a show about men and women who have recovered. Recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So if you're new and you just want to do recovery all by yourself... If you're new and having a sponsor seems frightening. Kelly, if you're new and you'd like to have a sponsor but you don't know how to get one, welcome. You've come to the right place. We understand what that's like. But we have a solution. We have a fellowship. We have a program that has 12 steps. Jason, we think that this can help. And this is our great news for you, if you want it. My name is Mark, and I'll be your host. And along with me are my fellow podcasters in the recovering field. So let's go around. Kelly, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Kelly, what fellowship do you represent? Uh, my fellowship is Al-Anon. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Right next to Kelly, we've got Jason. Jason, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Awesome stuff. What fellowship are you representing tonight? I'm a member of AA. All right. Then right next to Jason, we've got Russ, our show sponsor, let's put it. Yeah. Russ, what, what fellowship are you representing tonight? Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Awesome stuff right there. And then right next to Russ, we've got Spencer. Spencer, what's going on? Hey, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. Welcome. And then we've got a new person to the studio here. We've got Swetha. Swetha, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Mark. And what fellowship do you represent? Al-Anon. Great. I'm really glad everybody can make this. I'm really excited about the topic. I'm really excited about getting a perspective from such a diverse community. All right, so pull up a couch and join all of us on this journey called life. Now, just like Kelly said, remember, we at Recovered don't speak for any 12-step community. 
Spencer, we can barely speak into a microphone. You say that again. (laughs) We only try to share our experience, strength, and hope in this life of recovery. So we're not a secret society, but we try to be anonymous. Now, if you'd like to join the conversation and add to the content of the program, call in right now at 734-288-7510. That's 734-288-7510. Or use the speak pipe button found on our website at recoveredcast.com. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you're if you're in the chat room, go ahead and call in. We will go ahead and, well, we'll bite the bullet, Spencer, and play it live without screening it. So, uh, <laughs> But if you are so inclined, uh, give, give us a call and feed us a question that way. All right. Let's not talk about the show anymore, but let's do the show. Okay, tonight our recovery topic is sponsorship, uh, and this is a, a podcaster's round table, table. So let's introduce this show by listening to a phone call that came in from Bronte. Hi, guys. This is Bronte calling from Australia. I hope you're all doing really well. Um, look, I just wanted to call in and request a show on sponsorship. Sponsorship's been such a big part of my own recovery, and I thought it'd be really good to hear about your experiences with sponsorship. You know, what is a sponsor? Why is it so important to have one? What to look for in a sponsor? Maybe what not to look for? And what experiences with sponsors and sponsees you've all had over time? You know, the good and the bad. You know, I know that coming into the fellowship as a new person can be really scary and then to be, you know, encouraged to look around for someone to, you know, trust, you know, with your thoughts and your feelings can be really hard and I know it took me a really long time initially to get my first sponsor and to tell you the truth, I almost went mad in the process, you know, just spending so much time alone in my head. But, you know, once I surrendered to getting some support and I took the risk, my life started to change for the better and, you know, we can't do this thing on our own. So, yeah, so I just, you know, I hope I get a chance to hear you guys talking sponsorship soon. Keep up the brilliant work and take care. See you guys. See you, Bronte. Now, thank you so much for the, your your participation in the podcast, Bronte. And because of your, you know, your input generated this conversation. So we really appreciate your ability to chime in and help us to provide content that might be helpful to you folks out there. Now, Russ, I want to turn to you first. Um, And I think it's best to start right from the beginning, and that is to get somewhat of a definition of what sponsorship is. And I think that's important for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's not even mentioned in the big book. And we kind of always like to go back to basics in Alcoholics Anonymous anyway. And it's a little bit curious that it's not mentioned in the big book. But let's throw it to you first, Russ. What is sponsorship? Well, you know, I think in the broadest sense, it's a spiritual relationship between two people, a close spiritual relationship uh, between a person, a new person, particularly in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what I speak for. And somebody with a little bit of experience that can help guide that new person along as they come into the program and try to progress them through uh, the readings, the steps, the principles. Those are the things that keep us sober, I believe. Now, why why do you think that that can't be done at, say, the meeting? Well, I think some of it can be done at the meetings, absolutely. Part of the sponsors, uh, I would think part of his job is to direct the sponsee, if we refer him to the sponsor sponsee, to meetings. I mean, right. that's, that's, I mean, that's necessary. I mean, one of the things I do, I, I'm a big believer in meetings, and, and people that I sponsor 
always hear it from me. Well, that's, that's an excellent point. And that is a sponsor can lead his sponsee into meetings that are healthy. They might also know their personality and what meeting might be good for them. They're a younger guy, point them into a younger guy's meeting, whatever might be the case. So that, that experience can not only be useful in working steps one, two, and three, or wherever you're starting, but also how to navigate this thing called Alcoholics Anonymous. Why don't you take it from here, Kelly? What, what, where did you want to go as far as sponsorship in Al-Anon? Well, I think sponsorship is included in our initial text talk, which is called How Al-Anon Works. So I guess I would want to open it up to Swetha. Um, <laughs> uh, why, why do you have a sponsor? Why is sponsorship important to you? Um, I think because when I came into the program, I was scared. I was really scared about being judged. I was really scared about opening up to anyone. I think... Um, Someone once said that my my head is a really bad neighborhood to be in, and I don't want to go there alone. <laughs> Who would and, that be? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I got a sponsor to go down that bad neighborhood with me, and um, and that really helped. It helped me open up to the twelve steps. I mean, if I I thought I did the twelve steps alone before I met my sponsor, <laughs> and it was like a cursory, yeah, I could do that. I, I pretty much have handled that. Fourth step, I have terrible self-esteem. I list down all of my faults all the time, and that was, you know, that was how I handled the twelve steps until I had a sponsor, and um, and then I had someone I could trust and really open up to, and that's what I needed. That's what I Can needed. Can I for jump in here a little bit? You said I think something like you you when you first came in you were a little bit afraid of the process did i understand that i was correctly? afraid of opening up to other people okay so how did a sponsor help you in that process was it easier for you to go one on one and then you made that transition into a room that could share um i think what it was was that uh there were so many relationships in my life that were really painful and judgmental and just not safe places to go and in order to feel like i could be safe with anyone i had to be safe with someone first and that um lay the foundation for all the healthy relationships I have in my life now. I think the first healthy relationship I had was with my sponsor. I thought it was interesting, um, that Swetha, that you mentioned trust, and Bronte also mentioned trust in her voicemail. So I will open it up to anybody that wants to answer. Um, how, do you, how do you find someone you can trust? How do you know that the person you've selected to be your sponsor is trustworthy? Well, I think that's a really good question. This is Spencer. Um, probably we should introduce ourselves at least at the beginning, huh? Um, and and I don't really know how to answer it directly. What I know is that there are people, there are a lot of people in my life, there are a lot of people in the program in my life, and I believe that for most of them, at some level, they are definitely trustworthy. But for me to be able to really open up it needs more than that. And I don't really know how I measure that. I think, I think it sort of starts slowly, um, and, and, and I see what happens. You know, I'll like say something, and I'll see what happens. And, um, and it's really a sort of organic sort of feeling thing for me. I mean, I'm so an- analytic in, in my career, and I'm so non-analytic about uh, program and spiritual stuff. That's interesting. Was that, a, was that an adjustment for you? Because I came in being all analytical. And I took that big book and I broke it down and I was looking at the 12 steps and how they related to the 12 traditions and looking for that equation that equated the two. And I was looking at cross-referencing to this, that, and the other thing. Four-step guide. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. I love my Joe and Charlie four-step <laughs> columns. You know, we know exactly, and you end up with five character defects, and I'm on my way. <laughs> I feel like I should buy one of those, by the way. I keep $1. hearing these advertisements for it. Sister, it's $1. On the, <laughs> it's Actually, easy. the Joe and Charlie I'll, worksheet I'll, is I'll free. If you want okay. the Excel spreadsheet, that's the dollar. <laughs> um, but, you know, my first sponsor, I just picked because it felt like, you know, it just felt right. And, and, and I turned, um, my first sponsor actually was a woman. I turned to her and I said, Hey, would you be my sponsor? And she's like, well, normally women don't sponsor men, but okay. <laughs> it was that simple, you know? Um, Jason, and- I'm, I'm a little bit interesting, uh, interested in hearing from you, some of your observations may, maybe that you've seen, because I think that you, um, have been around a lot of people that are new in recovery and maybe that process of trust is something that's brand new concept to them. I don't know what your experience is, but I know what my own personal experience was when I first came in. Trust was a huge issue because I didn't trust anyone, especially myself. So that's where I started. What has been some of your observations as far as how does the new guy learn about trust and develop that into a relationship with another person that might end up in being a sponsor? Um, boy, you know, I had a sponsor once who said the getting of it is in the doing of it. Right. And I think, you know, I don't expect there to be much trust when the relationship begins. And I expect trust to be a product of that relationship over time. So as the new sponsee takes the risks and pick up, picks up the phone and calls the sponsor and they talk about real surface stuff, you know, maybe for many calls, eventually trust builds. Russ, it goes back to what you're saying. You're a real meeting guy. And so I would think that if, any, if, if your experience of observations or anything like my own personal experience is, I didn't start developing trust by taking that huge first step and making a phone call. But maybe I did at a meeting. When I listened to Russ, and I remember when I was looking for a sponsor, you know, I really started developing trust by listening, listening to what he had to say, you know, his experience, strength and hope and how other of his sponsees related to him and also how he conducted himself. These all came into into play about me finding a sponsor before I even made that first phone call. That was uh, that was how I picked my sponsor, too. I mean, I, I just, well, as we discussed on a previous episode, I sat in meetings for about six months before I even did anything. So I had a lot of time to listen to everybody's shares. And uh, I picked somebody who had what I wanted. You know, I mean, her story wasn't exactly the same as mine, but she was happy. She was calm. She uh, was not stressed out all the time. She was not bawling at meetings. I mean, she like, you know, she had it together and that's what I wanted. So, um, so, but I also think there's some stuff that you kind of have to watch out for when you're picking a sponsor. Um, you know, a lot of times we throw around the phrase stick with the winners. Mm, sure. So I don't know if anybody has any, any of that incorporated into picking a sponsor or things that you think are a sign of someone you wouldn't want to sponsor you. Well, I can't, well, there, I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about the things that I wouldn't pick in a sponsor. Um, but I well, do that, know that, that is the question though. <laughs> well, okay. I will say there the, was kind the, of two questions. the first, the first, my first sponsor was somebody who I very definitely viewed as a winner. Okay. Um, she had a lot of time in the program. She 
you know, whenever she shared in meetings, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I could so take that and use it. And, and those two things were kind of that. I think the I could take it and use it part was probably more important to me at that point. But it was very clear. I, didn't, I don't think I'd heard that phrase, but it was, it was very clear that she was a winner. Um, and, and I'm actually in the process of looking for a new sponsor right now. And I'm looking around the rooms and, 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 you know, I'm listening to people and I'm listening to what they say and I'm listening to how they say it. And, and again, I'm not the, I'm, I'm, I'm not really analytical about that, but I say, you know, somebody, well, there's a possibility. And then, you know, listen to them and I'm like, well, I don't really think so, you know, and I'm not sure what it is, but I'm not connecting with how they're working the program. I'm not connecting with something. And, and I think I'm being too picky also, but anyway. So, no, so no, unless you're going to meetings, you're not looking for a sponsor because you're looking around the rooms. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, and I've been going to some new meetings too. Yeah. And, and there's some wisdom also in what Jason said. I mean, the learning is in the doing. Yeah. You can always approach someone and say, listen, I need a temporary sponsor yeah. and let's see how this goes. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, no, no harm. You know, no fault. How about you, Swetha? What about uh, some of your thoughts about uh, what to watch out for? Any experience uh, in that? Sure. Um, actually, I didn't. Uh, I didn't pick my sponsor out of a meeting. I don't actually recall seeing her in a meeting that I was at before I picked her. Really? Yeah. Um, there's this women's brunch thing that we used to do, and uh, this this woman that I met in a meeting was like, "Oh, you should you should come." So um, I came, and I, I saw my sponsor there a few times, and she was really she seemed really nice. But uh, it wasn't until I brought one of my friends. One of my friends was visiting out of town, and um, she uh she's really unhappy she's really really unhappy with her life and i saw her say all of these things and be really negative and all of this stuff and um i was watching the woman that i was going to ask to be my sponsor in like an hour from then and uh seeing that she was uh not judging her not mm-hmm. giving her a look of disgust and not being like well this lunch is over we can't be around this crazy anymore <laughs> and um and i was like well i can't be can't be much worse than this so maybe this woman won't be saying that when i talk oh that is really funny so you <laughs> saw her being non-judgmental yeah. to a person that you were judging yeah by the, by the way <laughs> i was only in the program like a week at this point <laughs> so uh roll with me Swayth. Yeah. i joke a lot so don't take it too personal no not taking it personally right. but yeah i was judging the hell out of this girl and um and my sponsor my to be sponsor wasn't so um as we were walking out, I, I chased her down, and uh, it was very graceful, and, and um, I chased her down, and I shyly asked her to be my sponsor, and she said yes. So I think back then, what I would definitely not look for, was not looking for in a sponsor, was um, someone that was short or curt or judgmental, just someone that was really compassionate and, and open to hearing the things I was saying and, not, and seeing beyond the, the act to the person underneath it. And uh, that, was, that was exactly what I got. And, um, yeah, that was, that's it. I think it, I just needed space to exist, and my sponsor gave me that. Kelly, there was two big vices that I think are big red flags for me, and that is gossip. If I'm around somebody that's talking about their sponsees and what they're going through, that's a big red flag. You yes. know? And I really think that, that gossip is something that it just is not – there's no room for it in the fellowship. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that's a – you know, a red flag for me because sometimes I'm a little bit attracted to that. You know, what's going on and I want to know the dirt. Now, I can get caught up in that and I need to make a conscientious effort to walk away and especially try not, you know, anyway, that's a red flag for me. The other one is is honesty. I did have an experience when um, maybe I didn't ask the specifically right question. 
You know, I asked them, when did you first come into fellowship? And they said 12 years ago. And so in my mind, the person had 12 years clean. Well, and I asked him to be a sponsor, and we started working, and it comes out, come to find out, he was he was like forty five days clean. So, you know, this this was not the you know twelve years ago was not the first time he picked up his first you know his welcome token. You know, so uh, yeah, Whoops. yeah, semantics. Yeah, do I do I know the location that uh, you met that sponsor at? You know exactly the person actually, <laughs> and the location and everything. Um, and 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 like I said, he's a wonderful person and all that. But it just and, and I'm sure he you know could be a good sponsor. But for me, where I was at, new, I, I that just freaked me out. Actually, it really kind of freaked me out. Like, if someone relapsed, are you still 12 years clean? I didn't understand. It, right. it caused a lot of confusion. There was a point at which I was considering changing sponsors and was talking to a friend in the program, just kind of running it by somebody else, um, and. I gave him the name of the person that I was thinking of switching to. And he looked at me, he gave me this funny look, and he was like, she doesn't work the steps in Al-Anon. And I was like, oh, it's kind of important. Good kind of gossip. Now, this is, you know, this is important. You know, I mean, um, in my mind, sometimes, you know, we need to help each other along the path. And that might be, you know, helping you know, helping in the selection process. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I think I was so focused on, on that portion of just hearing what people were sharing in the meeting that I was only using that as a criteria. And I wasn't really looking at anything else. And I remember hearing when I first came into the program that you can sponsor someone as long as you stay in step work one step ahead of them. I think that's such a great rule of thumb. Russ, I've never heard that before. Have, have you ever heard that before? No, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, something I'm going to keep in mind that uh, when I'm going to be sponsoring someone, which I'm not right at the very moment, uh, that I'll be actively working the step that he's, the step ahead of wherever he's at. I think that'd be a great way to work a program. Yeah. So needless to say, I didn't I didn't pick that person. Um, just because I was I was in a place where... I needed to do that. I needed to keep going on my step work. I needed something to focus on. So that was crucial. I just want to quickly echo what Swaitha said because I realized that as she was talking that that fear of being judged is is a huge issue for me. Um, and that is that is one of the – that's a red flag for me. If, 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 if I feel like the other person is going to judge me, then I feel like I'm not going to be able to be open. And as you said, Jason, and, and that may change in the in the doing, but – for me, it sets up a barrier to even starting. Well, and I'm listening to all you talk about your relationships with your first sponsors, and my relationship with my first sponsor was very different. <laughs> right, <that's laughs> and, uh, um, and you know, and one of the, my relationship with him or his sponsorship with me was very helpful, but he was not a great role model mm. in the program. Mm. Let's call him Joe. Mm-hmm. And I would he he offered to sponsor me. I didn't have to okay. ask him, and I was so crippled with depression and shame that somebody coming up and offering to sponsor me. He also seemed very outgoing. I was unable to kind of get out of myself. So him offering was enormously helpful, and he ended up hooking me up with my first home group. My first home group encouraged people to have three sponsors. He hooked me up with two more sponsors. Uh, wow. in that group. Yeah, it was a little, it's a little unusual. But he, as people asked me who my sponsor was, I'd say, oh, Joe. And they'd shake their head and say, Joe, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it turned out that Joe had an affinity for like young 
women, mm-hmm. very young women, and gambling and all sorts of stuff. I ended up living with Joe, and we ended our sponsor-sponsee relationship, and he, en- he ended up owing me quite a bit of money okay. at a certain point. And there I could go into lots of details, but let's put Joe this way. Mm-hmm. He ended up dying, and people at his funeral were saying, Joe is not dead. Hmm. He borrowed a bunch of money from loan sharks because <laughs> they never oh. found his body. Uh, oh, my and, God. Uh, Dude. <laughs> and people were this – is, this is the kind of man my first sponsor was. Wow. And – I got I to ask this. Yeah. I mean, when you came in, were you on that level too? No. Okay, interesting. No. So even, but, even in, in your early recovery, you could see that this was a problem child. Well, I don't think – I think I was so wrapped up in my own head, okay. I could, mm-hmm. could barely see it. But – um, so the relationship itself with Joe wasn't really healing for me, but the other things Joe did with me, like being someone that I talked on the phone to, and I had a, you know, I was an expectation that I would check in with them. Him hooking me up with this home group, him having another sponsor come and knock out my door and drag me to meetings a couple times a week. Uh, and, uh, and him ended up connecting me with a whole bunch of other, cause I got sober when I was 19, connecting me with a whole bunch of other young people in the program was enormously helpful. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having really mixed feelings about him and about my relationship with him. But, uh, so the relate, I don't mean to diminish the relationship in, in any way, but there's a lot more to it, to sponsorship than just that relationship. I, what I'm hearing you is anyone can carry the message. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I have also been positively influenced in my program by people that were on the marijuana maintenance, you know, program. <laughs> but, you know, they pointed me like what Russ said. He pointed me to meetings. Uh, he took my phone calls when I needed them. Um, you know, so anybody, I guess, yes, you, you can get, you can hear the message through even a even a faulty messenger, you know. Fortunately, because I'm faulty, I, I got to ask. Um, going right back to you, Jason, um, how do you find a sponsor? How do you how do you get a sponsor? Well, um, I mean, I think what Russ said. You know, sitting, going to meetings, and looking around the room, thinking about whose message you like, who you can relate to. I'll tell you, over the years, I'm I'm not a big talker. I hate talking on the phone. I really hate talking on the phone. <laughs> and, uh, and somehow I always seem to end up with, or almost always seem to end up with these guys who are like salesmen or something like that. And they do all the talking for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I end up clicking with those people, you know, and talkers need listeners. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You brought up an interesting point that I think is one of the major differences in sponsorship between AA and Al-Anon, and you said that he came up and offered to be your sponsor. And I feel like that's something that I hear is common in AA, and that's not something that we really do in Al-Anon. I have done it indirectly at least twice. Oh. In that new guy, well, one case it was a new guy at a meeting, clearly in pain, clearly suffering, and I went up to him after the meeting and said, you know, here's my phone number, call me. And he said, will you be my sponsor? Okay, so I didn't quite offer, but I put myself out there. Another case, again, somebody that I had known in meetings for a while um, was complaining, complaining, complaining in the meeting. And, and I remember the part in the reading about, you know, when you, when you have 
stuff you have to dump, you know, a sponsor is a good place to do that. And, and so after the meeting, I asked him, I said, do you have a sponsor? And he said, no, you be mine. Um, I learned a whole lot from that guy. I can't say that I, you know, liked him, but he really, really strengthened my program. Hmm. And I hope I did something for his program. So I thought I'm interested in, in your experience with the newcomers group, because I know you do that on the Wednesday night. Do you ever follow that up with, you know, because you, you, I think in the newcomers meeting, you kind of lay out the program and, you know, probably encourage sponsorship. Has that ever prompted someone to ask you to be their sponsor? No, actually, no. Um, I mean, I usually when I do the newcomer, when I have done the newcomers group, I would give them a phone list and point out my number. Uh, but no, uh, both of my sponsees were just people that needed someone to talk to at the time, and and then after they talked to me for a little while, they asked me to be their sponsor. Yeah, I got one one more thing, Kelly. And kind of picking up on what you said about the tradition in Al-Anon um, doesn't have so much this volunteering sponsorship. The meeting that the meetings that I've been going to, they have a tradition that I just find awesome, and that is a sponsor getting up, making an announcement that his sponsee is ready for sponsees, mm. and saying, "If you're looking for a sponsor, <laughs> this is the guy. He's available. He needs sponsees for his program." First time I've ever seen that, but it's consistently done, uh, and so you build this. Uh, you know, accountability right. and, and uh, make yourself available uh, whether you want to be or not. Have you ever heard that, Russ? Have you ever heard that before? Sounds like a pyramid scheme. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that at Open Talks where if people are giving out a coin for an anniversary yes. and they'll say, you know, this guy is great, blah, blah, blah. It's his anniversary and also he needs sponsors. So if you need someone, you know, ask him after the meeting. And and we, I mean, we have in in our um, so Spatha, Spencer, and I all go to the same meetings, and uh, we have phone lists in our meetings. And people who are willing to be sponsors are designated on the phone list that they are available for that. Um, but I feel like I hear a lot more in AA meetings where you know sponsors tell you go talk to that guy and tell him you can be your sponsor. You know, like it's a little bit more of a of direction, I guess. Well, there's always a a bit more of a crisis. There's more, um, what's the word? Desperation. Sure. There's more desperation. One of the things that Spencer's comment reminded me of is that when I first got, I got sober in another part of the state and we didn't break up into tables at meetings. So you could have a meeting where there are 75 people and maybe only 15 people actually share. And then everybody just goes around the room and introduces themselves. So, so sharing was pretty brief and it was focused on a step or something in the book and if people started talking about their day or you know <laughs> or that kind of stuff, uh, people would be pretty patient in the meeting. But after the meeting, people would go up to them and say, "Do you have a sponsor?" You know, those are the <laughs> kinds of things you talk about with your sponsor. And and I think a lot of people would end up getting sponsors that way. Some thoughts on that, Russ? It's really important that we moderate our meetings, and the meeting after the meeting is the best place to do that. I think. I think we still do that even at the smaller tables. Yes. We'll take people aside absolutely. afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to a friend the other day who was uh, struggling with an alcoholic in, in their family and wanted to come to a meeting but was afraid that when they started talking, they'd just go on and on and on and on. And, and I said, well, you know, um, if, you, if you know somebody there, you can ask them. Say, look, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking too much, you know, give me a hand. Give me a poke. Um, I don't know if they did or not. They <laughs> All right, we got, Kelly, we've got a call coming in from Joe. Joe. 
Hey guys, just wanted to give you a call. Um, I'm Joe from California. Hey Joe. Um, very interested with your feedback on a certain subject. Um, I had a falling out with a sponsor about a year ago and um, took me a while to get back into the program and I'm not trying to put blame anywhere or anything, but just your, your thoughts on the idea of changing sponsors because I had this idea that if I changed sponsors, that meant that I was giving up on a program that was supposed to be effective for me. Um, like if I was changing sponsors, that meant that I was rejecting their advice, which was, of course, better than mine because I had stinking thinking. And um, So for a while, I thought changing sponsors meant it was a bad thing. There was something wrong with me. Um, but I've heard a lot of other people's experience that um, changing sponsors multiple times in sobriety has been helpful for them. And I was curious as to your thoughts regarding that. Because I, I imagine that some people change sponsors for the wrong reason, that they just want to um, find a softer, easier way with someone who's more tolerant. But anyway, um, thank you so much, and I will be listening in to what you guys have to say. Thank you so much. So thanks, Joe, for your thoughts. And um, you're kind of making me think because I changed sponsors recently. And now I'm hoping that I didn't change sponsors for the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, but Ten-step process happening right before our eyes right here. <laughs> so why yeah, did you change you sponsors, You might have to Kelly? take over while I work through this, Mark. Um, why did I change sponsors? I changed sponsors because... Um, oh, boy. Well, when I first came into the program... I wasn't traveling very much for work. I was home a lot, and the person that I chose to be my sponsor um, had a really open schedule as well. So we could meet once a week, same time every week, and it was in the middle of the day, and it worked great for both of us. And um, you know, now six years in, my life has changed. I travel a lot for work, and the sponsor I originally chose um, chooses not to be very tech savvy. She just isn't into email and texting and stuff like that. So, um, you know, being gone all the time, I needed somebody that I could reach when I needed to. Um, and, and I didn't need an, an immediate response. You know, I can send her an email and I can wait a day to hear back. But I just needed to know that somebody was at the other end and was going to respond. And um, so, yeah. Anybody else change sponsors? I've I've changed sponsors a couple of times. Um, the first time, you know, again, I was like, uh, looking back, I don't know whether it was a, a good reason. Air quotes here, guys. You can't see them. Okay, air quotes. <laughs> um, I was, I ended up sponsoring a bunch of guys who were double winners. And they were bringing to me issues that I didn't know how to respond. And I felt like the sponsor I had didn't have that experience. And, and I probably am wrong about that, but that's what I thought. Okay. And so um, I asked another guy in the program um, who did have some experience in that area of if he would sponsor me um, because I felt that I, I, that was where my life was at that point, that my program was kind of just, you know, clicking along and, and, and a lot of the work was in, in my sponsees. And so I wanted somebody who could help me with those. Um, and he was a good sponsor. Um, he always had... You know, he always like gave me that that piece that I was missing when when I called him with something. Um, then he moved out of the country, um, and I 
I didn't feel like I'm a face-to-face kind of person. I mean, I, I interact a lot by email and stuff, but I, I also want that face-to-face contact. And somebody who was on the other side of the ocean just wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> um, and so I asked another another man to be my sponsor, and he said yes. And, and that was going along very well. He ended up having a crisis in his life um, and was really unable to, to, to you know, and he, he said to me, I said, I, I can't do this. I just don't, I don't have the energy right now to do this. Uh, and um, so I'm actually, as I said, I'm in the process of looking for another sponsor right now. I did uh, today get a commitment uh, actually from my first sponsor to be temporary sponsor while I'm, because I was getting all this restless, irritable, and discontent thing going on. And, and I realized that part of that was just because I couldn't say I have a sponsor, hmm. which is, feels odd to me, to, but it was true. You know, just this thought, I don't have a sponsor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Russ, I'm interested to get your feedback um, on this. And, and particularly, um, he, he talked about that the, his changing sponsors meant giving up on the program. But uh, first get your first impression, and I'd also like you to react to that specifically. Well, I shuddered when I heard that. I mean, that, of course, you don't have to give up on the program when you change sponsors. Or it doesn't even mean you're giving up on <laughs> no, the program. No, not at all, you know. Also, might, even I, I, mean, might even mean you're working the program. Well, so, right. well I have a little concern how we juxtapose the, uh, the, the sponsorship with the why it's perceived a departure from the program there. Mm-hmm. And um, that bothered me a little bit when I, when I heard that. Uh, but getting back to change the sponsors, I've changed sponsors uh, as my life's transitioned to other things, whether I moved away from a, a particular area, uh, changed jobs, um, as you were saying, Kelly, you know, th- things happen in life. I've never um, really totally lost touch with anybody that sponsored me other than they passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may be a year or two years or something down there that I, that I, you know, Christmas card, then I'll call them or text them now with email, you know, and, and Facebook and things. I can keep in touch with them more often. But people in my life, and that includes sponsors that have transitioned out of my life for whatever reason, I'll be thinking of them. You know, that's one of those things. You think of somebody, then, then you get a phone call. Hmm. And it, it's Chip. I'm just giving yeah. a friend of mine, for instance. And I go, wow, I was just thinking about you. Or, or you haven't seen somebody, you run into a meeting, you haven't seen him in four or five years. You know, those, well, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's he's looking at Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Because <laughs> yeah. they yeah. knew each other 19 years ago, I think. Uh, right? 90, yeah, 90, almost, what, 96, 97? I think it might even been, oh, it was earlier than that. Because I got sober in 90, and I moved back here in 92, and it was around then that I met you and Floyd. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we went yeah. up to, in fact, we went up to a uh, state conference in an old beater motorhome yeah. uh, that I had bought. That broke <laughs> down a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we got up there, up to, up to, up to Boyne, and uh, got up to see this. I, I don't know what we saw up there. I did get the tape of Teresa at the time. Uh-huh. She was the main speaker up there. But, yeah, it kept breaking down, and, and Linda, my wife, and I, and Jay went up there. But it was, it was one of those great memories. So, uh, yeah. Where was Chad at this time? Uh, I, he, somebody's babysitting. Oh, that's funny. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but he was qualifying, though. Ah, okay, so he's he's doing his research. Yeah, absolutely. Swaita, what are your what are your thoughts of that uh phone call? Oh. <laughs> Nothing like uh jumping on you right away here or out I of the blue. Trying but trying to blend into the wall yeah, and I, I wasn't doing that. a good job apparently. Um I've I I have only had I haven't been in the program for very long, about a year. And I've only had one sponsor, but I can I can see where someone would need to change sponsors um 
I think it's that, I mean, I, I, I kind of liken this to, to studying something. I, I have this uh, fascination with a certain field in science, but then as I have more and more experience in that field, my passions get more and more specific till the point where I'm at a very specific place. Yeah. And it's the way I feel about life spiritually. I mean, there's certain things that I, I think spiritually I need to grow and heal those specific mm. things. And different people have different paths based on their backgrounds. Mm. And as you grow and change in the program, certain things need to be healed and addressed. And certain sponsors are better for th- things than others. And right now my sponsor is exactly what I think I need. So, uh, Swetha, you bring up a thought that I had Mm-hmm. And that is some people, my first sponsor in particular, mm-hmm. used to use a speci- used to use a temporary sponsor for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you said you, you your journey takes you to a certain place and maybe uh, that would be a reason to change sponsors. He would temporarily use one particular person for a fourth and fifth step. That was sort of this guy's specialty. Russ, have you ever heard of such a such a thing as one guy gets known get get known as someone that you want to do a fifth step with? Not yeah, well, that's what he did. I've heard of people picking particular sponsors for certain parts of their life, like a, a work situation, perhaps, right. or a family situation, because they're particular. But maybe they had a single sponsor, you know, an issue with their family that they needed to talk about. So, in that case, but not, uh, no, not an expert in a step. <laughs> not familiar with that. I actually had that experience recently. Um, I was um, working a fifth step with my sponsor at this time when, when he was unable to really continue um, putting his energy into that. And so it's like, I'm in the middle of my fifth step. I got I to gotta do it with somebody. Um, and so, you know, again, I looked around. Uh, I didn't really look around. I mean, I considered the people that I knew in the program who I felt enough trust with uh, to be able to be completely open and honest on my fifth step with. And, you know, I asked a person to do that. And luckily for me, um, they say yes. And, you know, and, and I, I feel like I was right in that choice. Uh, no, but, but then, you know, they're not my sponsor. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, but they were, they were there for me at that time when I needed it for that particular purpose. We're not talking about a recovering priest, are we? I mean, no. Fifth, <laughs> that doesn't count for fifth step. Spencer, that sounds like backup sponsors, which I totally have. Yeah. If my sponsor's unavailable. I have like a certain, I have a list oh, that a I great, go down. That's, that's, yes, it is. Yes. Um, great point. Yeah. I like There are specific people that I, I go to. It's always the same people. And uh, one of them is my grand sponsor. Mm. And uh, I just have a certain group of people that I really watch in the program and I really like what they have to say. And, um, and they call me out on my shed. I, 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 we're allowed to swear, right? <laughs> I'm too late now. <laughs> anyway. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever listened to her show? I have, actually. Have but then I was like, wait. <laughs> have you ever listened to Mark? I mean, That's <laughs> true. Well, in any case, I do. Um, I, I tame it down for, uh, for Elena and my share is not as colorful. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's been an hour without that word. I was <laughs> looking that stat up, were you? Were you? But um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely look for people that call me out on my stuff. Um, my sponsor does that for me. That was something I forgot to mention. That's something else I look for in people now for my backup sponsors. Um, not someone that's going to co-sign my bullshit. That's that doesn't feel good anymore, and that's part of the reason I came to the program. And as time has gone on, I've stopped calling people that I know will co-sign it and uh, call people that I know are going to call me out on it. Isn't that a sign of growth, Russ? Oh, absolutely. You know, when, when now you're no longer comfortable with your own behavior, you know, looking for people to, like she said, you know, co-sign on your bullshit. 
Um, I think we're going to go ahead to the next call. We've got Liz Lemon coming in. Hi, Recovered listeners. This is Liz Lemon. Today I'm actually calling from Okaloosa Island, Florida. I'm on vacation, hey, and I'm heading to a meeting, and it's 7.45 a.m. That's what I'm talking about, people. Get to your meetings. No, I'm just joking. Anyway, I was calling in today <laughs> to talk about sponsorship. Um, from the beginning, from about two months, and I had a sponsor, and I adore her. I think she's got a lot of really great information. She has about seven years of experience of um, sobriety. But there was just something not clicking. Um, yeah, I, I've learned through the last couple of uh, year and a half or so that every sponsor is a little different. Some are real overbearing and some are real um, hands-off. And she was more of a hands-off type. Um, she actually told me at some point, I'm not going to hold your hand. And I'm not really much of the hand-holding type. However, I did need a little more guidance. So um, last week I actually um, asked some new lady to be my sponsor. Uh, and I her up for, since the beginning, almost at the same time that I asked my original sponsor, and she accepted. Um, the next step, though, was to uh, let my old sponsor know that I had found a new sponsor. And um, that was maybe my sticking point why it took so long for me to make that decision. But I did, and I just told her I was very honest with her, and I just said, you know, I think that um, I need to switch sponsors. I think that... Um, I need somebody with a little bit of a different fit, and she was awesome about it, very responsive, and wished me well. And we're still really good friends, and um, so I'll keep you posted. Hopefully, uh, that will continue to go that way, and stick with your gut, I guess. That's what I did. That's what I had to do, even though it was kind of like breaking up with a, a boyfriend. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. Bye. So I liked what Liz had to say about... Um how there are definitely different methods, you know, different people work in different processes as a sponsor. And I'm wondering how upfront you guys are as a sponsor when someone asks you to sponsor them with your process. Cause I'm sponsoring someone right now. And the last couple times we've met, I just leave feeling really awkward. Like, I don't think that she's getting anything out of the relationship and maybe she is. And I just am not seeing it or feeling it, but I'm, I'm now starting to question like maybe I wasn't upfront enough with her about my process or I didn't ask her what she was looking to get out of the relationship. And so we're both like working in totally different directions. I don't know if you guys ever had an awkward experience like that. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Kelly, if she keeps coming back, She's probably getting something out of it, right? I guess. I know it doesn't seem that way sometimes, and 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 I and I've had these guys that like I feel like we're not connecting, but they keep coming back. So apparently, it's working for them at some level. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but my first sponsor, when I said, "Will you be my sponsor?" said, "Okay, this is how I work. You call me. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to bug you. I'm not going to push you." You want something, you want to work steps, you want just answers to a question, call me, and we'll do whatever you want to do. Uh, and so when I started getting sponsees, I said, this is how I'm going to work. You know, you call me. When, you know, if you want to get together, we'll get together. And, and you know, some of my sponsees would meet like every week or every other week and, and working on the steps, and other people just call me occasionally. Um, one person was an AWOL group. The only thing that they used me for was their fifth step. Really, um, and uh, and and some occasional oh my god, what's going on in my life calls, 
I always get those. Um, but I have one sponsee now um, who we have a regular schedule, but occasionally needs reminding. And I find myself with this person, you know, I'll send a text or something, you know, hey, it's Sunday, you want to meet tonight after the meeting? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I need to do some work before that happens. <laughs> so I've adapted. I think when I think when they asked me to be their sponsor, I said, this is how I work. But with this person, this is how this is how it's working out in that particular relationship. And so I guess I'm, I try to be a little flexible, but I, I try to also be upfront about the way that I do and don't work. Uh, for me, Kelly, it really depends on where where my guy is. If he's a new guy, you know, we're going to be step focused. We're going to expect a little bit more discipline. I'm going to want to know how many meetings he's going to. I'm going to want him to show me that he's committed because you know what? There's other people that might need my help. And, you know, it takes a lot of time for with a new guy. Right. And so if he's not willing to do that, then, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, Russ, you want to jump in? Well, I was just wanted to, to, to say, you know, exactly what you're saying is, is how I would approach the new person because I give them assignments. And it's step assignments. I give assignments to 12 and 12. Yeah. I give them assignments to the big book. Yep. You know? And if they drop off, I mean, so be it. And many do. You, know, you just don't want to read the stuff, you know. But and for the reasons that you just said is is why I do that. I'm up front with them. If they're at a different point in their program, Spencer, as you were saying, different things apply. Right. But particularly for the new guy, let's start with you know the doctor's opinion, yep. Bill's story. Yep. Uh, you know, you know how many times I've read the doctor's opinion and Bill's story because <laughs> I read it along with them. You know, so over and over and over again, I can almost repeat those things by heart now. Th- those are two chapters in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. By the way, for our listeners that might not be familiar with the program and familiar, I think you, you need be. to go read it. <laughs> read them, yeah. uh, and then I go to the twelve and twelve and read the corresponding steps. And, and Kelly, the other thing that uh, I wanted to add on to what Russ was saying was, you know, depending on where this new guy is, we're going to want to work steps, principally because, Russ, I think it's so important for the new guy in Alcoholics Anonymous to get through steps four and five. You know, we've got to get there. And the only way we're going to get there healthily, health, in a healthy way, is first, you know, you got you to be convinced you're an alcoholic. You know, if, if you're not convinced you're an alcoholic, it doesn't matter. The steps aren't going to work for you. And then, you know, since you're powerless, you need something that's got power. And so you better develop a, high, a higher power of some sort, whatever that means to you. Now you're kind of equipped to go ahead and look at, um, you know, what's happened in the past. It's the first time I want you to look in the past. You know, when someone comes in new and he's full of crisis and full of panic, let's go to a meeting. How do you feel today? What are you going to do tonight? You know, let's just stay in the moment, right. you know, and then only then when we get the four step, then we, we've got tools that we can look back because an alcoholic's got past. Guy has a past that, that is the reason why they drank, you know, and so we need tools first before we tackle that problem. Sure. After we go through four and five, they're on their way. You know, not, not everybody that gets four and five stays clean. No, but then I, I, I back off and then whenever you're, you know, mm-hmm. then you're in control. Okay. I yeah. mean, they're always in control, but you know what I'm saying? You don't push them up to nine? You know, isn't that interesting? And, you know, very few of them, get, you know, where I formally am working with them on step nine. Isn't that interesting? You got anything to add about that? Should I, should I be a little more specific about that, Russ? That we do? Um, well, I like doing the A step. I like going over the A step list with them. Yeah. In particular, you know, then sort of guide them into step nine. Swetha, do you give assignments? Uh, I think uh, the only, I do actually. It depends on, it depends on the sponsee, but. Um, I do. Uh, my when my sponsor 
accepted and I met with her. She told me her story. She told me step work worked for her and that if and if that's what I'm looking for, she's the sponsor for me. And if that's not going to work for me, then this isn't going to work out. And that's the same thing I tell my sponsees. And we work out of a tan book and um, that I can't remember the title of now because all we call to recovery. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not working my program that well. <laughs> program <laughs> Thank you, Spencer. Um, and uh, in that, there's a, a, some questions at the back. Of, you, you read about the step. You read about some stories of other people. And then there are questions to just get you thinking about the topic. And uh, my sponsor, what she did was say, she said, pick three that you really hated, three that you really loved, and we'll discuss that whenever we meet up. Um, but I'm OCD and a perfectionist, so I did all of them. And <laughs> <laughs> we only... I, I, uh, I used to like time out how long I could talk about each one because we had like a certain amount of meeting time, oh my God. <laughs> but it would never, <laughs> but it didn't work. And now I'm just like, eh, I'll, there are three I like, there are three I really hate. Those ones I'm confused about, I'll talk to her about it. And it's not that big of a deal anymore. But back then I was like, if I don't get every question, I'm never going to recover and it will all be ruined and then I'll die. <laughs> and, um, sure sign of progress right there. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like one word answers before it was three pages per <laughs> question. I was like, I don't know if I've hit every aspect of this point. Um, yeah. But well, maybe you needed to, to spill. I did. Know, at first. Yeah, I'm sure I did. And now I have. And mm-hmm. now I'm down to one word answers. And so that's what I do with my sponsor. There might be something in between that might be good too. <laughs> there but. was a transition. <laughs> there was a transition. And it, it just depends. on Some of them are yes or no questions. Um, and the same thing with uh, my sponsees. And if they need something extra, I'll come to my sponsor and say, hey, I'm not really sure about this. What do you think? And she'll give me a suggestion and I'll pass it along to them. And sometimes those come in the form of assignments. And if they do it or don't do it, um, that's up to them. And that's something else I learned from my sponsor is that my, their recovery isn't my job. My recovery is my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I sit there and check their homework and, and grade mm-hmm. them and all of that, then, then where will I find time to write three-page answers to my <laughs> questions? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, one, of the, one of the things uh, that you just said that kind of rang a bell for me is for me, almost everything in the program leads back to surrender in some way. You know, so for me, when it comes to my relationship with my sponsor, uh, you know, I just switched sponsors myself. But the sponsor I had been working with, I've known since my first meeting in my first home group. And when I called him, I knew what he was going to say, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, when I pick up the big book and read a couple pages out of the big book, I know what the big book says. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't changed in the <laughs> years I've been sober. Um, so even if I call my sponsor and I don't get – he says exactly what I expect or whatever, or he doesn't even answer the phone. The act of picking up the phone and making that call is an act of surrender and that is important and good for my spiritual condition. And one of the things I have to surrender to when I got sober was that I need other alcoholics. And I don't just need alcoholics who are sober longer than me. I need alcoholics who are newly sober. So when my sponsee calls me and leaves a message, I don't just call him back because he needs me to call him back. I call him back because I it's an act of surrender that I need him. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, so, you know, and I've got to play my role. My role is to give assignments and, you know, and I do that too and everything. And whether he does it or not, you know, uh, that's not my role to determine. But me, you know, taking these steps is important for me. 
Yeah, noob, newbies that are batshit crazy, fascinating creatures, you know. And, and uh, so, yeah, they can really strengthen your program because it remembers you remember what it was like. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, Jason, um, how did you know it was time to change sponsors? Well, um, I that most recent sponsor, I, I I have a lot of affection for him. I love him. We're always going to uh, – I see him at a retreat every year. But over the last, I don't know, nine months, I've had a very – good relationship with his answering machine (laughs) (laughs) and uh we just weren't connecting Mm -hmm. you know and uh so it was just time and it's interesting this is the first time i've got a sponsor who's got uh much less clean time than me okay Mm -hmm. so but i really respect the way he shares the program he works and uh i admire that a lot so i just he seemed like a good fit and i see him often and like spencer said facetime you know, I don't have to pick up the phone because I see him. I go to the same meeting four or five days a week, uh, a 7 a.m. meeting. So I see him there often. And since I hate picking up the phone, that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I was in the same boat as you, um, getting the answering machine all the time. And um, I don't reach out all that often. I mean, I'm I'm still pretty prideful and stubborn, and I try to fix a lot of stuff on my own. Um, so... If I'm desperate enough to reach out, you know, I need to get a response at some point. It doesn't have to be immediate for sure, but, you know, within a week, two weeks, somewhere in there would be awesome. And, uh, and yeah, when that wasn't happening, I also knew that it was time. I just had to, um, I had to reach out to somebody else. You got a lot more patience than I do, Kelly. Kelly, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> yes. did, now, did, did you go back? And- I've noticed. <laughs> Sorry. No, no problem. So um, did you go cross back- talk there? Nothing. <laughs> did you go back to your original sponsor and let them know that you're breaking up with them? Um, because Liz was all and that was really the focus of her call was that anxiety of letting the old person know. Yes, and I was wondering if that was maybe just a gender thing, or I mean, I could totally relate. It 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 does feel like a breakup. I mean, it's it's. That was the first person I ever really trusted, like with my whole heart, you know, I mean, same. I don't remember who said it earlier, probably everyone. But, you know, I didn't trust anybody before I came into the program, especially not with everything. You know, I I kind of compartmentalized. Um, And so it's hard to let go of that relationship. It's um, yeah, it is like breaking up. And it, and it feel to me, there was also I mean, it, it might come back to the pride issue again, but. It it did kind of feel like I was giving up on the relationship. Like I had to ask myself several times, have I given this a fair shot? Have I have I tried to reach out enough or should I stick with this? You know, like I blaming yeah. yourself, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I must yeah, be the well, reason. you know, Elanon. <laughs> Jason, how about you? Did you go back to your original sponsor and let him know? Not yet. Okay. You thinking <laughs> about it or, or well, because you did you listen to the podcast? Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I, I the one the yeah. dude that I was talking about that didn't tell didn't tell me about straight up what is right. clean time. I never told him that I was breaking up with him. Yeah. He was done. I you know what, what's yeah. that? What's that? Middle finger surrender? What was what, what, middle finger <laughs> detachment? Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. There is fuck you. I'm on my way. You know. Well, this is all pretty recent, and and I was kind of thinking about. It. I was like, gosh, I mean. I'm not going to talk to him. Am I just going to leave a message on his voicemail? Right. You know, and uh, and I and I probably would or will. And then Sunday night he texted me. He's and he's like, "Hey, sorry, I've been out of you know out of touch. You know, we've been real busy with something." So 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to let him know. So I have a question. I don't know if this is a good place to put it in. Sure it is. Um, I don't see it on your list, but um, people who are in more than one program, hmm. should they have a sponsor in each program? Oh, I, well, I guess I'm the only one here that's working both. I definitely think so. You know, I, I certainly worked with Russ on issues around Andrew a lot, a lot. But it's always helpful for more than one person to know the story. And it's all, you know, for me, it's work to have two sponsors. There's somebody else? There is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Russ, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, to, sorry to crush you, dude. <laughs> you only got 50 other sponsors. I'm sure it's not, you know. Um, so... It's it is it is different, but it's like it's always good to get another, a second opinion. Um, Russ is certainly familiar enough with the Al-Anon program. But I didn't feel like um, that was the problem, but you know what? I'm going to Al-Anon meetings. I might as well be accountable to someone in those meetings too. And so, and quite frankly, uh, that's been the focus of my last year, mm-hmm. and that's where most of my work has been done in the last year. And so, yeah. That, I felt that that was it's been necessary for me because I've I've had some people ask me that question who are as we say in Ellen on double winners the, the, and and the concern that it, that a couple of these people expressed was well if I have two sponsors am I going to go shopping for answers am I going to go shopping till I get the answer I want from from one of the sponsors I think it's actually quite the opposite because I can transfer my AA program into Al-Anon rooms. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll share about the four-step and I got to catch myself because what I'm really sharing is my Alcoholics Anonymous four-step, not my Al-Anon four-step. And those two experiences are quite different. And so, uh, yeah, sometimes it's good to talk to somebody that's in the Al-Anon program just to use that language. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that language is appropriate. Yeah. And and I mean, I, I have sponsored a, a number of guys who are in both programs, and and one of these guys, he would call me with a problem, and what should I do? What should I do? And I would say something, and he said, "Damn, that's what my other sponsor said." <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like you know it was really working well there. Um, another guy, uh, I, I remember at least a couple times when he called me, and you know I'm struggling with this problem, whatever it is, and and what do you think? And I said, "Well, this is what the program tells us." And he said, yeah, you know, my, my AA sponsor said almost the exact opposite. It's like, well, you know, that's, that's the two programs, and, and you got to decide what feels right for you. Mark, but, I, yeah. I think on the flip side of it from your situation, um, I sponsor, sponsor several double winners. And, you know, they might mention to me that they are thinking about using or drinking. And... I mean, I've been to a million open talks, but I certainly don't feel qualified to counsel them on what that they should do. That must really feel weird. You know, I, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, usually my recommendation is to not do that and to call, <laughs> to call their primary sponsor. Okay, so you do consider their AA sponsor as their primary sponsor. You recognize that that's probably right. life-threatening thought. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what my, my sponsor told me the first time I, I, you know, at Double Winter asked me to be a sponsor, and I said... I'd call my sponsor and say, "What do I, you know, what do I do?" And my sponsor said, "AA is his primary program. He needs to work that first. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he's still working the steps in AA, don't push him into the steps in Al-Anon, for example." Russ, I'm curious. Jump in here. What, what, what's your experience on on this? What are your thoughts? Well, I live with a double winner. Right. And she has sponsors. Well, actually, she's she's in another program as well. Yes. Uh, she's in Al-Anon. She's in AA, and she's in. Uh, uh, FAA, which is Food Acts Anonymous, 
which has a whole different format. And she needs a sponsor in that particular program because she has to report to them every day of what her menu is, and then which an Al-Anon or AA sponsor would have very little interest in. Right. So she needs a different, you know, so that's a case mm-hmm. in point where another sponsor is really necessary for her particular program. So you're not offended by this? or Absolutely you, yeah. not. Absolutely not. I, just, I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, for you and me, you knew Andrew well enough that we could talk about that you know, long and hard. I don't think that was uncomfortable for you. I guess this is a weird way, way, place to ask this. But, uh, <laughs> of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. Put him on the spot. As a matter of fact, this podcast is done. No. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to go, Kelly? Oh, man. We are... One hour in, maybe 15 more minutes. Well, how about being a sponsor? Yeah, and and uh, what about saying no when someone asks you to sponsor them? Is that an option? Of course it's an option. What do you think there, Russ, saying no? Well, yeah, it's an option. However, I, I had a guy that I was working with, and this is sort of clarifies something I said before, too, about newcomers and working with them. I had a guy that I was working with, and he could not stay sober. I mean, for the life of him, which it took his life eventually, yeah. he could not stay sober. He wound up in garages and ple- he, he he disappeared one winter. I was living in, near East Lansing, in Williamston, and uh, he came. He showed up in the springtime again. He was he was he was in he was in jail because it was warm during the winter. He had committed a minor felony to get to jail, but that just was his life. It was his lifestyle. Uh, I got I took him to meetings. He was drinking. Uh, it was just total frustration. Went to my sponsor at the time and. I said, and his name was Dan, and I said, Dan, I said, uh, you know, this guy, this guy just driving me crazy. You know, how many chances do I give him? Mm-hmm. He looked at me and said, one more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, Kelly, that, that is a little bit of a difference between the two programs. We do have a little bit of a philosophy is if AA asks, the answer is yes. Right. And, um, I mean, that was what, you know, was school to me. Uh, if, if something suggested... The answer is yes. Now that's a little bit different. I understand. You know, I can understand why that mentality maybe is not as prevalent uh, in Al-Anon. I, I agree with Spencer. You can always say no. You know, but. and 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 I had that experience recently. I asked somebody to be my sponsor, and they said no. And and what I realized was that this is probably the one place in my life where when somebody says I can't do this because of me, you know, it's not it's not you, it's me. I believe them. Mm-hmm. I accept it. Um, of course, there's always valid reasons for no. I've said no before. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that, again, in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's this a bit of a desperation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, for us is to drink. And we know that working with another alcoholic saves us from that. And so the answer should always be yes to recovery, always yes to life. And, you know, there's nothing that's more life-giving than working with another alcoholic. Yeah, it's true. But I'm also an overcommitter. Yeah. Yeah. And if I keep saying yes, I will not be able to give to myself nor to the people I sponsor what we really need. And, and that's one of the places where I feel sometimes I've had to say, no, I'm sorry, I, I, can't, I can't do it because I can't give you what you need because of what's in my life right now. I think that is a difference between um, A and L non too, is that, you know, our focus is supposed to be on taking care of ourselves and not trying to take care of too many other people. Good point. <laughs> um, so, so it is okay. I have said no before also, but 
when I do, I usually uh, grab that person and steer them over to one of my sponsees okay. and say, I'm sure this person would be great for you. Because <laughs> I don't want to leave them hanging. It, it's really it's hard to ask someone to be your sponsor. And for someone to say no and then just turn around and walk away, I feel like I would be devastated if that happened to me. So I try to help them out. How about advice? Um, I'm wondering about that. How, Jason, do you handle it when one of your sponsees comes up and has a financial question, a, a relationship question, maybe crisis? Let's move into more of those things. Um, what are your feelings around that when your sponsee is looking for advice that's outside of maybe the 12 steps? Um, I, I'm reluctant to give advice. I mean, I don't view it as my job to manage anybody's life. And, and we were talking about kind of red flags about potential sponsors to me for myself, that would be a red flag for me. If I saw somebody, you know, tell, you know, telling people what they needed to do with their money or what they need, you know, you need to divorce your wife or something like that. So I'm pretty reluctant. I mean, I'd steer people back towards the, uh, the principles of the program. Is it honest? You know, um, and uh, are you making decisions? You know, I help them think long term. Is this a decision you're going to be able to live with in the long term? You know, what what will you one year from now, six months from now, five years from now wish you had done? You know, uh, those kinds of things. But it's most so it's mostly asking questions mm -hmm. rather than giving advice. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to answer a question is with a question. Uh, you're usually safe there, but I totally agree, and, and I'd like to get the Alan on perspective on this. Um, but it, it's been my experience sometimes when I give advice, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, and my, and my advice was bad. Well, now they got a person to blame. Not themselves or their actions or their thoughts. It's me. It's because I told you that you should do this. And, um, yeah, I won't do that again. <laughs> but I think that advice seeking might be a little bit more uh, prevalent in Al-Anon. I don't know. Um, how do you handle, uh, Swetha, how do you handle it when someone's asking for advice that might be outside of the program? Um, I think it depends on what the subject is. If it's something that I know that someone else in the program has dealt with in a program manner, I act like a phone operator and I'm like, please hold, I'll just, I'll just connect you. Um, and uh, if not, um, sometimes, I think sometimes when I'm looking for advice from, from my sponsor or backup sponsor or whoever, it's usually, there's usually an underlying issue that's related to Al-Anon. I'm usually low self-esteem, codependency, sure. uh, fear, turning someone else into my higher power. All of those things are usually the basis of, of that, that I, I don't trust myself, that I'm not... Um, do it. I'm not really working my program, depending on what the, the topic is. Well, I think that's really interesting, uh, Swetha. I think you're teaching me something here. And Kelly, what I'm hearing her say is I need to learn to listen. You know, mm -hmm. because that advice, uh, it may be kind of a service thing, but underlying there might be a really a recovery issue. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I listen to it a little bit better, I can, I can find out what that is. Yeah. And so when I hear a sponsee or anyone really saying, what do you think I should do? Um, I tell them what my sponsor usually tells me fourth step pray and meditate and uh and we can talk about it later once you've done that and um and that's usually when they fourth step they find their own underlying issues and uh and then we talk about that and how the program can help them with that and because i can't help them with, with anything other than how i work the program yeah 
Yeah, we usually tried, at least the way that I learned was to focus on my experience, strength, and hope. And so if I'm sharing my experience, generally, like Swetha said, you know, it, it, it kind of goes down the ladder that, you know, when I ran into the situation, my sponsor suggested read this, write about this, you know, some sort of action to take that that was relative to the program. And so that's what I have to give, you know. And and like you said, it's much safer that way. I mean, I think I gave advice once and same as you, it came back to bite me on the ass and it was not fun. So never did that again. One of the things that is, for me was important to remember is I the story of my recovery for myself has changed a lot over the years. When I first got sober, I used to, I think I was a lot more self-righteous, full of myself. I thought, you know, I got sober because I came in and I was told to do A, B, and C, and I did A, B, and C, and that's why I'm sober. And the truth is I came in and I did barely half of what was suggested to me. <laughs> and uh, there were people who came in at the same time as me and wanted it more than me, had more faith in the program than me, and were on fire for recovery. And a year later they were in jail and I was still in meetings. Mm. And... So my recovery, I view as a gift, and I view it as my responsibility to keep that gift. And when I remember that that's my story of somebody who made all sorts of stupid decisions and, you know, and, uh, and hid those stupid decisions <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, you know, it, it helps me with those sponsees that, like, yeah, that's part of the process. You know, I tell them to trust the process. I need to trust the process, too. They're going to make bad decisions, and they're their decisions. Mm -hmm. Speaking of bad decisions, um, is it? Do you guys think it's possible to get too attached to a sponsee, too emotionally involved in their situation, or too invested in their sobriety or outcome of their? <laughs> Swetha, Swetha, you want to tackle that one? <laughs> All right, yeah. damn it. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Yes, if my facial expressions, which the listeners did not see, did not indicate enough. Yeah, um, I think that uh, sometimes there are some issues that I haven't quite worked through enough with my sponsor. And I see those those issues, I don't know, um, circumstances. Issues is the wrong word. I see those similar circumstances in a sponsee, and immediately I'm like, save your mode. I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can fix my life through you. Um, but... Luckily, I have sponsors and backup sponsors and a self-bullshit meter, and um, I definitely reach out to people in those moments, and those are really, it's actually, I think, been really good for me because it's helped me see the parts of my program that I need to tackle more rather than take it out on my poor sponsee. Um, I turn to my sponsor or backup sponsors and say, you know, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's going on. What do you think? And they go, and then they say, well, that's interesting. Why don't you fourth step that, pray and meditate? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, sounds, sounds like that you should write that in a tan book or somewhere where you're going to look at it often. Because I feel like I should tattoo it somewhere. <laughs> that along with, there's no formula, Swetha. Stop asking for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, it's, I think whatever happens with my program, whether I get too attached, attached to a sponsee or um, too attached to a sponsor or what have you, it's, it's been really good for my program if I've used the program to address it. Yeah. Russ, I want to hear something from you. you know, I, I, I got to hear what, what your thoughts are, experience uh, as far as attaching with sponsees, maybe someone you see going off the rails and, boy, you know what the right answer is. 
Yeah, it's and, tough. I mean, there's an, another situation. I had a guy that I was working with, and uh, his significant other had left him and moved on. <laughs> Not only left him, but oh, had moved on. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, and he hadn't... He didn't know. He didn't know. Yeah, he hadn't moved on, number one. Ooh. Number two, he hadn't... He, he knew she left him, of course, but he didn't know she moved on uh, and found somebody else. And I wouldn't... T- yeah. In the home group. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And, oh. and, and I just wouldn't. I didn't. I, I didn't want him to know. Not only would I not tell him. That's one thing. Okay. I, but but I try to protect him from knowing and from oh. finding out because I thought he was too fragile. Um, I look back on that now, and he's been in and out since then. But uh, it, it wasn't my job. I mean, it wasn't my job to tell him. I didn't have to be brutally honest with the, with the guy. But you know, I you know I couldn't have. I couldn't. He was the only one that didn't know. You know, <laughs> which is I mean, typical. I mean, which means sad. you did a really good job, Russ. Yeah, no, no, it means he was really good in denial. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, he was. Anyway. He was. He was. But it's a but, good example. But but it was it was it was a case in point. Yes, that's a fine line. You know, yeah. As far as I said, I sat up with him at you know the twenty four hour you know restaurants till four or five in the morning sometimes, going over and over and over. Uh, this relationship thing with them, you know, and I was a sounding board. I wasn't giving him advice. I was just listening to him, listening to him. And then, and then one day he popped up with it. I didn't realize he popped up with a, with his fourth step. He had done a fourth step on a relationship pages, you know, and we sat wow. down at one o'clock in the morning. He says, here. And I didn't, and, he, and I looked at it and then I realized he expected me to read that all at the restaurant, <laughs> but, but 10 pages of small print, right? <laughs> <laughs> and do a fifth step with them at the time. And I couldn't, of course, say no at that point. So, yeah, it was, uh, I look back at that, and um, I was going through some things in my life, too, at the time. So, you know, I mean, it, you know, that, that, I didn't drink. You and didn't drink, and, and, yeah. and a, Alcoholics Anonymous, that is the sign of successful sponsorship, is That's, if the sponsor doesn't drink, then it's, it's been a wonderful relationship. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What's the equivalent in Al-Anon, I wonder? <laughs> I have one sponsee that that we deliberately go to a coffee shop that closes. Uh, <laughs> well, you got to look into that one. You know, stop that twenty-four hour. That's shit. how we set the boundary on how long our meeting goes because we would both just keep going. Alan on and on and on. Alan on and on and on. You got it. Oh, yeah. that's, it that's outside just Alan on. But uh, <laughs> but the only thing is, after our home group at eleven thirty, if something's open, it's open all night long. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Unless it's a bar, but then you don't go there, do you? <clears throat> well, they're not open all night long, though. No. That's what I meant. No, right. Russ. Russ is, <laughs> they close it too. Russ is twelve stepped at a bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's more than once. <laughs> yeah. Well, any final thoughts on this topic of sponsorship? Throw it to you first, Russ. Any final words to maybe the new person that's never, uh, that's new in the fellowship, maybe gone to a few meetings, thinks they might need a sponsor, uh, not sure what to do. Any final thoughts for well, the new I person? Well, I think you should get one. Okay. If you, yeah, I mean, if you make a mistake, so get another one. I mean, it's 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 not it's not a life and it's a life and death matter of not getting one. But I mean, picking the wrong sponsor is easily correctable. Jason, final thoughts. I'd agree with Russ. I mean, this is something that's totally foreign to most of us when we get sober, and it's kind of like you know, I'm not good at math. I'm not an engineer, and for me to pick up an engineering book and expect to absorb it would be mm-hmm. crazy. And this is kind of the same way, you know, you get, get a mentor, get somebody to uh, share their experience. 
Uh, Kelly, Jason brings up a great point, and that is we in Alcoholics Anonymous usually come in all alone. You know, we usually we come in with our social drinking has been done all alone. You know, a bottle of vodka, a TV, and a dark room. And we don't have any friends in fellowship, and so this is a whole new concept. What about you folks in Al-Anon? Is there a loneliness that sets in with codependency, and is that part of the the, the uh, process of getting over? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Um, when I came into the program, I was – I mean, I had friends. I did things, but there was there was always a wall. There was this thick wall not transparent wall between me and everybody that I was quote friends with everybody that I was socializing with because there was this huge elephant in my life that I couldn't talk about and it touched every part of my life. And so it really shut down communication. So yeah, I was alone. I mean, that was the most important thing to me about my first meeting was that there were people that I didn't have to hide from that. I was no longer alone. So yeah. Um, And, and, you know, asking somebody to be a sponsor was sort of a huge step because it was that trust thing that that so many people in my life had, I thought, betrayed me. Um, the people I put trust into, uh, the the person, one person that I had put a lot of trust into had, you know, betrayed me by drinking. Right. Um, so I, my, I think my final thought on sponsorship is that I feel that I have learned and grown at least as much as my sponsees have from that relationship yeah. from helping, as you say, from, from guiding somebody else on their path. Um, my, my path has grown that much stronger. You know, I think there's a, a potential, well, there is kind of a stigma out there where people think if they come into Al-Anon, the meeting is going to tell you to leave your relationship. And I was absolutely terrified of that. And I was absolutely convinced of it to the point where I stalked Anna into an (laughs) Al-Anon meeting to find out who she was walking out with. I I had not thought about that in a long time. Thank you for that. Kelly. (laughs) Well, and this, the scary part is when you're that codependent, it's just, it's usually just you and your alcoholic. You have isolated from everybody else in your life. So, it's scary to walk in there and think, you know, if if they tell me to leave this person, I've got nothing. You know, I'm totally alone. And um, so I guess my thoughts would be, even if you don't feel ready to ask someone to be your sponsor, just talk to somebody. Get a phone number. Um, <laughs> if you don't like to talk on the phone, um, text them, email them, so- something. Just communicate with somebody. Put your story out there. Um, connect with with someone, anyone, and just get the ball rolling, and then eventually you'll feel comfortable asking somebody. Um, my last thoughts are: get a sponsor. <laughs> if no, if that hasn't been head, head home yet, um, get a sponsor. You've got nothing to lose. You're not committed by a legal document. Um, <laughs> you're not going to spontaneously implode. The thing's going to happen if it's not the word. Well, at least for Al-Anon. Um, <laughs> the worst thing that could happen is that you find that you don't really want that person to be your sponsor. And you're, like I said, you're not committed. And if that's the worst thing that's going to happen, you're no better. You're no worse off than where you started. Well, I want to thank everyone for participating in this uh, first ever uh, recovery podcast, podcasters roundtable. It was a great experience. I think it was wonderful. Uh, thank you, Bronte, for bringing up this topic. Thank you for all participating. 
Um, Kelly, how do people get a hold of your show? And what is the name of your podcast? It is The Recovery Show. They can visit our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. <laughs> Um, we have all sorts of stuff there, uh, daily meditations. You can get those emailed to you. Um, there are links to episodes, to the music we play, to literature. Open talk speakers. Open talk speakers. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you by phone? Oh, God. That's a great question. We have a phone Seven, number. 734 707 8795. You can call and leave a voicemail. Good job. Uh, we also have a voicemail button on the website if you're, you know, outside of the North American numbering plan, as we call it, or as the phone company calls it. And uh, um, you can click on the button just like Bronte did from, from Australia for, the, for this show. Right. Yes. And uh, they can email us also, oh, yeah. Kelly, Spencer, or Swetha at therecoveryshow.com. Or feedback at therecoveryshow.com. Or feedback, yes. yes. All right. I think we're ready to close, Kelly. All right. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, please feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. And remember, abandon yourself to God and admit your faults. Clear away the records of the past and give freely. God bless, and see you next time.